Blog Talk Radio. A moment with the Colonel. We gather tonight at a dramatic and deeply promising time in our history. The world has known changes of biblical proportions. Biblical proportions. That the call of Christ is not just to be informed, but do something about it. Giving them instruction, laying it all out. He spent years fighting the opposition as a Green Beret in the Special Forces. Now he's fighting for you. He stands on Matthew 28 to teach all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He's a teacher. He's an evangelist. He tackles real-world issues with a biblical perspective. He'll pray with you. He'll answer your tough questions. Coming to you live from the Prophet's Quarter Studio, here is The Colonel. Welcome to A Moment with the Colonel. Today is March the 3rd, 2019. This is the online church of Seed Time Harvest Ministries, and we invite you to visit our website, SeedTimeHarvest.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep informed about what this ministry is doing. We thank our sister Deanna, who is simulcasting this program on Witness Project via Mixler.com. do appreciate everything she does to uh, get the word out and keep the program simulcasting on Witness Project. We also greet all of those at the Witness Project, as well as all of our faithful listeners on the many platforms carrying this broadcast. Now, our School of Authority Evangelism is a three-day training course designed to teach the body of Christ to operate effectively within the Great Commission. This training program is for those who want to capture the great responsibility of the Great Commission and train others in the body of Christ to fulfill the same purpose. Authority evangelism is training for those who want to do what Jesus did in the kingdom of God with signs and wonders following. Now, if you'd like to have us bring this training to your church, organization, or place of business, contact us at seedtimeharvest.net. Now, here is Pastor Colonel. Thank you, Pastor Chuck, for such a warm opening. And what I'm doing here, I'm just kind of scrolling through my phone just to make sure everything is working okay. We finally got Facebook to work. And I got to turn that down a little bit. But we see we finally got that going. And the hearts are going up well. Got our friend Brenda and... Claudia is listening. I had to drop my cord. I had to pick it up. I had my phone plugged in. So when I was showing it, I unplugged it because it's stretching across the floor there. Well, anyway, as Chuck mentioned, this is Seed Time Harvest Ministries. And we're an online church. We're streaming on many platforms, around 15 or more. I don't really know, but it's double digits at least, just shy of 20, I think. We've been banned by six platforms. 
said you were not you're not welcome here anymore because of what you talk about. It's not what we want to have on our platform. So I give God the glory that uh, we offend people with the gospel. Amen. And so they just uh, don't like freedom of speech and they want to shut down the gospel and people get offended. So, so be it. You know, Jesus offended many people because he spoke the truth and guess what? They tried to kill him and they eventually succeeded at that when the timing was right. But, Time Harvest Ministries, what we do is we do this online scripture reading or teaching or preaching. We take live calls. So if you're catching us on video, you can go to 602-753-1977 and press 1. We'll know that you want to speak to us. If you don't want to speak to us, don't press 1. Okay, if you want to speak to us, press 1. We'll take you on. Well, I tell you what, our Thursday night prayer time has been really beautiful. It's been really sweet. I think it has been. And I've, we come together. It's just not me. It's other people coming together, and we just open up the mics, and we intercede for the body of Christ and for the nations and the people. The, the, we, we pray that God's move upon the people, that people come into righteousness and knowledge of him. It's really just been some really wonderful times, and every now and then we'll get a prophetic word. Uh, for people or over uh, the people listening, I should say, maybe call it like the church. And and so it's really nice. So I invite you to come out on Thursday nights, 8.30 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio, A Moment with a Colonel, or you can go to seedtimeharvest.net, and we have all our broadcasts there on Blog Talk Radio. We took uh, YouTube down because I just didn't have time to keep that embedding going continuously like that and having to adjust the web page to every week for that. So it's just, it's just blog talk radio and it just keeps uh, feeding itself there. So, so it's a little easier for us to maintain. Well, we've taken a new format. We don't have our engineer. Uh, we do miss Kevin and all those who participated uh, in making this video stream, this online church look very professional and and very high quality, and it was. So now it's a little more down to earth, uh, a little more uh, real with not a lot of videos like we had before, uh, but it's just, so I'm starting late. So those who watch in the live stream, you're not hearing the music at the beginning. So if you want to hear the music, I, I started after the music, right at the end of Chuck's introduction. So uh, if you don't, that's why I kind of repeat what Chuck has said, because I don't start, because what's happening is, because we don't have that video stream running is you're looking at me and I don't have anything to say. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm listening to the music and you'll be listening to music, watching me listen to the music. And so I just felt like I just start closer at the backside of the introduction to make it save people a little time. All right. Well, praise God. Well, we want to welcome uh, sister Deanna and her ministry on witness project. That's MixLR. Some people pronounce it Mixler, but MixLR for easy for me to remember. And all our uh, listeners there, welcome. And also the gaming sites. We're so glad to have you on tonight. We're not going to be doing any games. Some of these gaming sites have uh, places where you can stream and do other things. So we're we're going to do that. And I don't know if we're on Gab anymore or not. I think it was too much configuration on that. But anyway, um, I don't know all the places we're going, but we're pushing it out, and we're going to see where the Lord takes us. Well, 
We finished the Gospels. Okay, so we finished Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And boy, there were some mighty words that came out of that. Okay, I almost wanted to repeat it. I almost, let me repeat it. Let's go start back over with Matthew. But what I want to do is, is take what we've learned in the gospel and apply it to the epistles. But the book of Acts is the next book following the gospel. So this is, uh, Acts is kind of like a historical story of the beginning of what we call the body of Christ. Some people call it the church. I like to call it the body of Christ because we're all members of the body, okay? And I think when we use the word church, we think of different things. I think our perceptions are more of the organized and the structural component of Christianity. And I'm not a big fan of that. I I think that I I am, I am a fan of people coming together and, and, and praying like they did in the upper room and ministering to one another and even going out and leading people to Christ. And just so you know, and as far as I know, last time I checked, we're the only online church on all those platforms. Now, there's some on Facebook, yes, and there's some on Periscope, yes, and there's some on YouTube, yes. But those other ones that are out there, those other platforms, they're not on us. There's no one out there. And I even went historically looking back at some things and there's not been. And maybe I think they tried a couple times and they didn't last long. It faded out. We consistently have been on the gaming platforms and the other non-social, I would say, non-social media platforms for going on two years, I think, now. Has it been that long? It seems like it's been a while. It's a couple of years now. And so so we have consistency. We're steady in this, and we're the only outreach on these platforms. Now, I know that there's ministries that stream to Facebook and Instagram and, and, and uh, Periscope and, and those sort of things, all those sort of things. But we, we're the, and here's another thing, we're the only one. Yeah, there's others that do that, but they're not taking live calls. That's the difference. We take live calls. And we're hope, hoping in the future that we will be able to bring our co-host on as well. I'm, because I'm engineering this by myself, I have to take it slowly and steady. I got to learn how to ride this bicycle. And then once I ride, I'll, I'll, I'll put on something else and, and, and advance it. So we want to get there. We want to bring on Chuck when he does the introduction and maybe the intro videos video that we had. I don't know if we will or not, but we want to kind of raise the bar in the near future a little bit more to where uh, it's, it's a little more appealing to people. All right, amen. So that's just kind of where we are. And we're, let's get started. We're in the book of Acts. And let's just ask the Lord. Usually I, I open up in a, in a statement, but let's just pray now. And let's, let's, get the, let's invite the Lord into our midst. Father, we just thank you. We glorify you. We praise your name upon high. And we just glorify you. Lord, I ask you to send us callers tonight that we may minister to them. Lord, that, that we can minister to people fruitfully with, with the edification, lifting them up with your word and ensuring them and building their faith with your word. And, Lord, I ask you to, to anoint me tonight to teach the foundation 
the building of the body, the body being formed, the body of Christ being formed after his ascension. And Lord, I just thank you and I glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's text, I labeled it, the body is forming. The body is forming. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, this is what I mean. So there's scriptures that talk about we are the body of Christ. We're, we all have, we are members of the body of Christ, right? We all have different roles and functions. For example, the finger functions differently from the thumb, or the fingers or the digits uh, operate differently than the elbow, okay? We, we all are a functioning, living part of the body of Christ, with Christ being the head. Okay, with Christ being the head. And so it's the head that thinks and that that makes things happen. Right. So even though some things are involuntary, they happen automatically. It's the brain that sends those signals for you to breathe, for example, for you to blink your eyes, for example, uh, for you to speak, you know, to to feel. It's the brain that, that receives that information and sends that information throughout your body to do something, for me to form my thoughts and speak it, to hold my Bible. You know, it takes my hands, my fingers, and my arms to do that, to raise up my Bible like that. So we are all functioning members. I, the other day, someone, I don't know who it was, said that, what if you were a pancreas? And no one ever thinks about, I don't know who said that. I know my wife would remember who said that. But, but what if you're some organ that no one thinks about, something like a pancreas and, or a gallbladder or something that maybe a thyroid gland, uh, you know, something that no one ever thinks about, but you still have a function without it. The body is hurt. The body doesn't function the way it should, does it not? Regardless of what you are to the body, right? So, for example, you know, if, if uh, you were the, the toe and, and you didn't have a toe, people may not notice it, but you would notice it. You would notice it if you tried to run. You would notice that when you walked or tried to climb or walk on the beach barefoot, you would, you would know these things. You would recognize it, and it would, it would remind you that you're not complete, unfortunately. So each one of you as a believer, you are part of the body of Christ with him at the head, and we all have various roles and functions to do, not always the same. And guess what? You should not covenant other people's tasks. So, for example, I mean, there's some mighty men of God. I said, man, I would love to be like that. I would love to have that anointing. Well, it's okay to say that. It's okay to desire to do some things for God. But be content in what God has tasked you to be. Be content in, in, in what the skills the Lord has given you. And, and he gives you a promise that those who are faithful with little can be trusted with a lot more. Can you be trusted with the little bit that he's given you? And we have all have humble beginnings somewhere. 
somewhere. We've all had humble beginnings. And it's like that in the body of Christ. But do it with a joyful heart. You do it unto the Lord, not to other people, not unto, not unto where um, people recognize it. For example, we were doing the, uh, the uh, home prayer fellowship. You know, I would prepare everything. And sometimes Claudia would clean up, so I would prepare and she would clean up. No one knew that, but it took effort. It took time. And we didn't say, oh, well, we need help. We need this. No, we just did it because we didn't want to burden anybody with it. You know, because we just did it because we love people. We wanted them to come and have a, have a good experience in fellowship. And so be content in what is given to you. And, and do it well. And do it with a joyful heart. You know? <clears throat> That's why the only... One thing that we should all be very good at is sharing our testimony. Our testimony has power. What does the scripture say? They overcame by the power of their testimony and the blood of the lamb. You can't make it through. You can't have a testimony unless it's the result of the blood of the lamb. Your testimony gives God glory for what he did for you. Perhaps he has taken you out of a very bad situation. Perhaps he's taken you out of sin, especially those who are, had various addictions, whether it's alcohol, drugs, uh, perversions, um, maybe great wickedness of, of cursing and, and rage and physical violence and murder. Or, you know, you, you, I don't know. We, we all have various things that the Lord has helped us to overcome. And there's a story behind it. And I guarantee you, when you share your testimony of what God took you out of and created this rescue for you by salvation, because he's the Savior, you have a powerful testimony. And your testimony is what can help lead people to Christ. But you tell them about Jesus. You know, they, they hear your heart. When you share your testimony And you, they hear the love of Jesus Christ In your testimony And your appreciation to God the Father And so you tell them about And this is how I came up Because I believed in Jesus This happened Because I surrendered my life in this area And d- didn't want to do this anymore I was tired of being tired I was sick of being tired I, I no longer could stand myself in this situation and he delivered me out after I was down in this place and had no hope. Amen. And I guarantee you that many of us were going down a path of destruction and leading to death. But praise God, you've been rescued. Some of you have come a long way since then. Some of you just getting out of that. Well, guess what? You can't make someone a CEO of a company who's just starting unless they come with some credentials. Even Paul, who was Saul, was a great Pharisee, a a premier stock. He had memorized the entire Torah and could quote it because that's all he did was study. Growing up, he had, you know, all his years in school, was memorizing the scriptures and the Torah. 
So when he was able to talk about this is what we see in Isaiah, and this is where we see in Jeremiah, and this is what we see in this scripture, and that scripture, and, and the law of Moses, this is how it relates to Christ Jesus. He was already prepared. Even the scripture talks about Jesus gave the disciples understanding to understand the scripture because they were about to share the scripture. And we'll see that in Acts chapter 2 when that happens. Amen? So I'm just trying to help preference this time together, understanding we, we all have a part. We're a body of Christ. And I don't like using the word church because of maybe perceived ideals the way one may perceive what, how they identify as church. But think of you as a piece of machinery, that you're one cog in a big engine that has to turn, or a watch. Think of you as the inside of a watch. You're one of those parts. Or the body, a human body. You're like a part of the body. Your part is important for the life of that body. And with you being absent, it hinders or is detrimental to the body. The body could die. Could die. Not, not always. For example, if I were to lose my hand, I would still live. But I would lose the function of that hand. So I would only be at maybe a certain capacity, maybe 50% capacity, because I only had one hand. Therefore, I could only hold half of what I could hold with two hands, right? So, or an eye, same thing, and, and so forth, so on. It's all important. We're all important parts. And we have to find where the Lord has placed us, and we have to be content and diligent with what the Lord has called us to be. But I don't believe the Lord has called us to all sit on the bench. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we're called to go and assemble and sit down and, and be a receiver of the word and not a doer of the word. Because we're all disciples. We all have a testimony. And you can help people overcome by the power of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And I teach some disciple things that teach you how to do the work that Jesus did through the School of Authority Evangelism. Download the free training manual. It's there. People take it, and they use it, and they're starting churches. They're, they're holding classes and doing it with very little instruction. It's so, so easy. You just follow what I tell you to do and do it. See what happens. So anyway, Acts chapter 1. That's what we're going to get into. The book of Acts. The name of Acts comes from the Greek word praesix, praesix. That's a Greek word that is used to describe the happenings, if you will, of the early Christianity or early Christianity and the church starting. The great, it, it applies to the great deeds, the great acts, if you will, that the apostles and other believers did. So we're going to see things in the book of Acts that were done by apostles and non-apostles, just other believers. Okay, and there's some very powerful men and women of God that you're going to be introduced to in the book of Acts that were not the 12. But yet, because they were filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't want to confuse that with what we call the Holy Spirit when we're saved, we receive God's Spirit, like Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. This is the, the Holy Ghost with the power 
okay, with the power to do the things, the various gifts that come with it that are used to build the church. And building churches also requires getting people, new people, right? The church can't grow unless there's people to harvest. And I think that's where we're falling short as a body of Christ. We're failing in outreach, in fishing, being successful at fishing or harvesting, rather than we're focused on building ourselves individually with with knowledge and with various other understandings when the only thing you need is the love of Jesus Christ. And it helps if you have the been filled with the Holy Ghost following, okay? So this book is going to get into all that. The book of Acts is a series of vignettes that chronologically uh, kind of illustrates the lives of Peter and Paul in the beginning, okay? It's the first generational era, you know, time, you know, first Christian episode, if you will, since the resurrection of Jesus, or I would say the ascension. So he is resurrected, but he reappeared. So he didn't reappear after this point. Okay. So it was his ascension. So it was after he made himself known to about a 500 people. And then he, he left the disciples and went up to, at the right hand of the father. It's believed that Luke is the person who wrote the book of Acts. And the reason um, I would say scholars believe this, I don't know who wrote it. But the scholars believe that Luke was the writer of that because of the way the events easily follow or pick up the events follow after the Gospels, and especially the Gospel of Luke, where, where the book of Luke leads off, the book of Acts seems to, seems to easily follow uh, with the event. Okay, and that's why they draw that conclusion. And even the person who wrote this, and they believe it's Luke, speaks in first-person plural in the latter chapters of the book of Acts as he traveled to the Roman Empire along Paul. So we know this is why they believe that, because not only does it easily follow the, 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 the transition from Luke, it easily transitions into the book of Acts, but we do know historically that Luke traveled with Paul to Rome. And so, as, as, I guess during his travels, he began to uh, document events based on Paul's testimony or maybe other people's testimony, and he began to put together the book of Acts, okay? But we'll find that the book of Acts will end up with Paul in prison. He's going to be in prison. Rome. I've been to that prison, by the way. I've been to I've got a video of it. It's really interesting. And he's waiting to be, to have an appeal to Caesar. So he's been sentenced, and he's, he feels compelled and led to speak to the leader of Rome, bringing the gospel to the, the emperor himself, Caesar. So here's a, here's a historical observation. Luke didn't mention the death of Paul, which happened about 64, 68 AD. So about 64, 68 years after uh, the, the, the resurrection of Christ. 
nor does he really get get into a lot of the persecution the Christians experienced, and especially the severe persecution that occurred on, that occurred under Nero, who was ruling at, at year sixty four, about the time of Paul. Okay, so Nero was the was the, was the emperor who had Paul executed. Okay, and I think we walked near that. There's a couple spots I think it happened. They don't really know for sure. It is believed Luke completed the book of Acts before uh, before Paul was executed. So Paul was in prison, and and he knew that you know his time was going to be ending. And Luke probably kept a good journal of the travels and things happening. And he so he apparently finished the book of Acts prior to his execution is, is one observation that scholars believe. So we believe that, that, that Luke completed this around 60 or 62 AD while Paul was in prison waiting for a solution or resolution to his appeal before Caesar. But Acts is the only biblical book that chronicles the history of the beginning of the body of Christ, and of course, the church. People want to say the beginning of what the organized church after the ascension of Jesus. Acts provides accounts of how the church was able to grow and spread from Jerusalem into the rest of the Roman Empire. And you know, let me say this the only reason it spread was because the Christians got chased out of Jerusalem. They got chased out of Israel because they were a threat to the Jewish faith, because so many people were being converted. And remember, Paul was a persecutor. He was a killer of Christians. He put them in prison. He even witnessed the stoning of Stephen, which we'll, we'll cover in the future. So they, Paul was one of the people, you can call him the Gestapo. He went out and he sought out these Christians to have them captured, and I'm sure they were interrogated in some capacity and tortured in order to give up other names of people. And they would go and seize them and capture them. So what are you left to do? If people know that you're a Christian and all of a sudden, you know, they announce, if you see, it, see anybody that proclaims this, this kind of doctrine, let the authorities know so we can take them into custody. Well, people knew that they were. And remember that the, the man who, was, who, who appealed to um, Pilate about the body of Jesus, he was a disciple in secret. He had already perceived what was happening and what was going on because he was a man of great influence. Was he not? And Ananias, I believe, was his name. Okay? So the reason it spread was because as the Christians were chased out, they went in all kinds of directions because they had to, or they were going to be captured and put in prison. And that's how the gospel really spread throughout the world. But Paul said, I don't care. I'm going straight to Rome. I'm going to, to, to Italy, and I'm going to go to Rome. So it took approximately 30 years for the remnant that Jesus left to continue his work. 
took about 30 years to, to build, I guess, the, the Christianity, if you will, what we would call modern-day world at that time, which is a lot of time, by the way. But this remnant consisted of very frightened people, believers who came out of Jerusalem, who transformed. This is the great thing. They transformed the, the empire, the, the entire empire. They, they had this great movement of people who had committed their lives to Jesus. They went out and began converting all these Roman citizens. And so even though you may have been a conquered territory, you could become a Roman citizen. Just as Paul was a Roman citizen, was he not? He was Jew. He was from Jerusalem, or, or from, I guess, from Jerusalem, or from Israel, but he was a Roman citizen. So was Luke. Luke was, was a, a citizen, but he was Jewish, and many others. So, but Paul had a mission to take it to the highest, most, I don't know, the greatest leader of the world at that time, Nero. And Nero was a very vile, very perverse, and crazy individual. He was so, he was crazy because he was so wicked. That's why. His wickedness did, or his craziness didn't make him wicked. He was, he was so wicked that he became crazy because normal people don't think that way and do those kind of things. So let's get into verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 1 of Acts. Here we go. You ready? The former accounts I made, O therapist, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So this is the writer beginning. He's making all these accounts, and he's speaking to this guy, uh, Theophilus, and of all that, that Jesus did. So it's kind of like a letter. Until the day in which he was taken up, referring to Jesus, after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So these events happened after Jesus gave his Final commandment to his apostles. And most people refer to that as the Great Commission. And there's several things I want to point out in these various Gospels. They're not, all, they're not all the same, but I think they sing to the same tune, if you will, or have the same final mission, which is to reach the lost. Okay, Matthew 28, let's just start there. Most people know this one, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, referring to the the apostles, saying, All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Now he's telling them, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And I, let me stop there. That's part of a scripture there. I haven't finished it. I say this in my training. I actually read the scripture and I say, Does it look like, does it appear, can we say that we have successfully made disciples of all the nations? Chuck, does it look like we've made disciples of all the nations? No, not yet. We're working on it. No, not yet. Working on it. Yeah, I have to agree with Chuck. 
after 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus, we, as the body of Christ, have not made disciples of all the nations. Have we not? I don't think so. Not even close. Only thing I do is get outside the United States and go to some of these other countries. Even where there's religion, if you will, people live like the devil. They fornicate. They commit adultery. They, they, they believe their religion is what is their salvation. Even when the Pope went to the Republic of Panama, people acted like it was New Year's night or something. They were drinking and partying and doing all kinds of stuff. And people came from all over Latin America to see the Pope, a million people there on Baboa Avenue. Actually, when I was there last time, I drove down where the Pope was going to be. They were building a big stage and had places to mount big old Megatron TVs and and people were they were getting ready to, you know, secure that area to receive all those people. That doesn't sound like a lifestyle of someone who follows after Christ getting wild and crazy like a party. Does it? Well, anyway, the answer is no. We haven't made disciples of all the nations, and we've had 2,000 years to do it. What is the problem? Why haven't we, after 2,000 years, made disciples of all the nations? Do you think it's the intent of Jesus Christ to fail at this? I don't think so. It's not the intent of Jesus he, he will, his commandment will come to pass. Make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Now, some people literally believe that that is being submerged under water and coming up. I don't know if that does or not. That may be when you make disciples, then you fill them with the immersion of the Holy Ghost. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and that means they get a fulfillment of God. Being fulfilled. Have you ever heard Christians say, I'm fulfilled with, with God. I'm filled up with God. And the reason I say that, I, I think it could be either or to be to be honest, but I tend to believe because of the way Jesus talked about, yeah, John baptized with water, but I came and I baptized with, you know, with, uh, with the Holy Ghost. Did he not? Water and blood. He baptized with his blood, so he covers you with his blood and the Holy Ghost. See, Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples. But guess what? They did have the Holy Spirit, but they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost with the power. Well, because of their belief, they received the Holy Spirit, but the power didn't come until the day of Pentecost. So what's the difference? This is the baptism, I think, that which Jesus is referring to. Were the men baptized by John the Baptist? Probably so. And even they were baptizing people. So probably they were because they want people to repent and get right with God, right? And 
probably doing the blood sacrifices and all those other things maybe wasn't working out for the because the Jews were a mess, right? So we see here that this could potentially be being baptized and fulfilled with the Holy Ghost and not necessarily the water. There are some people who believe, and I believe this is wrong in their, in their doctrine, that you can't go to heaven unless you're baptized. And the reason I say that I find that difficult to, to believe is because of the thief on the cross who gave, Jesus said, you'll be in paradise with me before the end of the day. Was he baptized? No. But he said, remember me when you go into paradise. Don't forget me. Hey, I'm just a sinner. I'm dying here. I'm a, I'm a thief or whatever. I've committed a crime that's worthy of death, and I'm not deserving. But would you please remember me because you're important. You're like the king of the Jews, and I believe you. So just remember me. Jesus said, before the end of the day, you'll be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized. And so what about all the people before Christ? Moses, Abraham, Noah, David, Isaiah, all those people, right? They weren't baptized, were they? There was no practice of that. So I find that hard to believe that you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. But if you want to do, be baptized to demonstrate and express your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're born again, so be it. If that will help you feel like you're drawing close to the Lord, then do it. Amen. Jesus was baptized. And so I don't see a problem with you being baptized. He did it. He didn't necessarily repent of his sins because he didn't have any. But he gave an example. All right, let's continue here. Teaching them, teaching the disciples, teaching the world to observe all things that I have commanded you. So what was that he commanded? He commanded a lot of love. Basically to live right, to love, forgive. Did he not? To have compassion on the poor and the, and the disadvantaged people. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, what age is he talking about? He's talking about the age of the end days. See, the disciples that became apostles believed that they were in the end days even before the end or before the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because they asked Jesus, when will this occur? In Matthew chapter 24. When is this going to happen? They believed they were, that he was the Messiah and he was about to take the king of the world. Because they were talking about how great the temple looked and, oh, we're going to have access to this and you're going to reign and we're gonna, who's going to sit at your right, you know, who's going to be your next in command. And you see here, he's talking about the end of age until he comes again. When Jesus comes again, is the be, that'll be the beginning of the end, the end of the end days and the beginning of the new heaven on earth, the kingdom of God that is at hand. Amen? I, hope, I want you to understand these things, what they're talking about. We are in the end days. We've been in the end days since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? We've been in the end days. You read the scripture. They think they're in the end days. They think the end days is happening in their lifetime. But we see that 
It's not going to happen until those other signs come to fruition. There's signs in the scripture that talk about what to look at, be watching for, and all these things. Amen? Let's look at Mark 16, verse 15. This is still talking about what Jesus commanded disciples to do, the, 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 the mission of the body of Christ, the mission of every disciple. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you can still share the testimony of Jesus and what he did in your life, the power of your testimony, because people can overcome. They can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. They can come in belief in Christ Jesus based on your testimony. Some of the most powerful, compelling stories to come to Christ is listening to other people's testimony rather than hearing a preacher talk about Jesus. Amen? So we preach the gospel. You share your testimony and then talk about his love and how he forgave you and how he delivered you from the wickedness that you were involved in or about to get in and how he saved you from a wretched life that was leading you to death and destruction. So verse 16 says this, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. So look, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, these are some examples, not saying the only examples, but examples like if you're a Christian, you, great things should be happening in your life as you share your testimony or preach the gospel or share the scripture or the love of Jesus or whatever it is, whatever you're doing. This is what it is. In my name. So you can't do it by saying, I cast this out. You got to say, in the name of Jesus, come out. Come out in the name of Jesus or be healed in the name of Jesus. You have to do it in the name of Jesus. So that's the key right there. That's the key to the kingdom right there. They will cast out demons. Majority of the pastors that I train have never cast out a demon. Never, ever. Somehow, there's a few. There's a few, very few. Usually one or two hands go up and about 100 people. Never have. And most pastors don't want to. They're scared of it. They're scared of the devil. They are. They're afraid that something might happen, like the demon might attack them. <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. They're scared. How can they be scared if they have the power of God on them? But if you're a disciple, the first thing mentioned is you're going to be able to cast out demons. Amen? And they will they'll cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues, guess what? He said, what did he say? And be baptized. And I like to think in the Holy Ghost, not underwater. You can't speak in tongues unless you got the Holy Ghost. So let's, let's repeat that. He who believes and is baptized, and I'll add, in the Holy Ghost, will be saved. Not water. Because you can't speak in tongues if you're only baptized in water. I don't know anybody who's been able to do that. They have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They have to be covered in the blood of God. They have to be filled with the Father's love. They have to have the power of the Holy Ghost to be able to do these things and to speak in tongues or whatever gift it is. 
Amen. So they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now let me talk about this. There is a sect of Pentecostals in the Appalachian Mountains who pick up poisonous snakes while they're praising the Lord and operating under the power of Holy Ghost. And sometimes they get bit. And sometimes they die. Sometimes they don't die. That's foolishness. Do that. Don't tempt God because you'll get bit. Or you get exceptionally fortunate. Look, I believe that when persecution comes, some people will be cast in pits of vipers. And what are you going to do? You have to pick them up and move them so you got a place to sit down. Right? You'll pick up serpents. If you want to terrorize it, I mean, most people are terrified of snakes. I've been bitten by one on my foot. I got bit by a cottonmouth or a water moccasin or whatever you want to call it when I was a kid. It chased me and came after me and bit me on the bottom of my foot when I was running away. And I didn't die. My foot swelled up to uh, huge. It was painful. And I was in the rural South Carolina and the and my family was so poor, they didn't want to take, take me to the doctor because they couldn't afford the doctor's visit. So I said, well, if you die, you die. If you live, you live. And I lived. And you know what? I got an issue with those people who, want, who didn't take me to the hospital. They didn't even call my family and tell me I got bit, fake, bit because they didn't want to make a long-distance phone call. Back then, when you had to pay for long-distance phone calls, call collect. Remember that? Those who remember calling collect? Look, don't tempt the Lord by doing something that's detrimental or hazardous to your health or your life by picking up poisonous snakes. There may be a day when Christians will be thrown in pits of vipers or put into a box of vipers or whatever it is. And guess what? You're going to have to pick them up and move them out of the way. And you're not going to, nothing's going to happen. Here's another thing, and they will drink any, uh, and if they drink anything deadly, it by no means will hurt them. Now, again, do not be drinking cyanide or any poisonous drink to see, to show people, look, I'm so full of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to drink this poison, and I'm going to live. No. Again, I believe this is referring to the days, in days when they're going to try to wipe out communities and people. They're going to poison the water supply. Or you may be in prison, and they want to just quietly kill people without making a big scene. Then they're going to serve you food, and you're going to drink. They're going to put poison in your food or put poison in your, in your drink. And it's not going to hurt you. And they're going to figure out what's going on here. Well, because this is Daniel was in the lines then. It's going to cause kings and rulers to believe Jesus is the Son of God, that God is real. That's why. And that could very well happen. Look at what happened to the Jews and in the poles and 
and the gypsies in Nazi Germany and others, even Russians. They were put in these concentration camps, were they not? They put them in poisonous gas. And they died, didn't they? Well, maybe they want to, you know, I'm just saying this is a way to, to, to exterminate Christians. And they're not going to be bit. They're not going to be harmed. And here's something else. You're going to lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen? Are you doing that now? Do you see people instantly recover when you put your hands on them and minister healing to them? Most people who have ministered healing have never seen that happen. Even with me, for many years, I didn't see it happen. And every Sunday, the pastor would say, if you're sick in body, come down to the front and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Pray over you and anoint you with oil for your healing. I never once saw a single person get healed by that. Never, ever, ever. And the pastor would go down and he would speak in tongues and shake their head and jar them. And, you know, and he'd go down to the next one. Oh, he was all full of that power, that Holy Ghost. Not a single person was healed. Not a single one in my entire lifetime. Now they don't even do that anymore. Why? Because no one ever gets healed. They did it wrong, as far as I'm concerned. That would have been great if they were all getting healed, but they weren't. But this is what's going to happen. If, if you're a disciple, you should be placing your hand on the sick person, and they should be getting healed most of the time, especially if they're lost. It's always, they always get healed if they're lost. But with Christians, there's more things we've got to deal with. Forgiveness, unforgiveness, bitterness, repentance, all this other stuff. And a lot of Christians are living in sin, by the way. And that's why they're not being healed. But other than that, we should be seeing healings in the big churches. And very little, if any, is happening. Now, there are miracles of healings that do occur. That's right. But not instantly. It's usually over a period of time of praying, maybe fasting, maybe a period of time of just seeking God. Sometimes a lot of healing comes because the individual humbles their heart to the Lord and gets right with the Lord, and they get healed through their own prayer and their own faith, especially the Christians. Amen. So I hope I'm making this clear. We've got to understand the scripture. Amen. Let's look at Luke 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. So basically, I had already told you this stuff. I've already said this to you when I was with you like a few weeks ago, right? That all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So here's Jesus saying, not only did Moses talk about me, but David or the psalmist who wrote about me and the prophets in the scriptures wrote about me. And it says in verse 45, and he opened their understanding. He, Jesus, opened the understanding of the scriptures of the disciples that they might comprehend the scripture. How many of us, I've been guilty. I mean, this has happened to me. I would read scripture and I said, I have no idea what that means. I don't know how to understand that. And let me give you an example. 
uh, when I was in Panama and when I met my, my wife, we went to this little missions church and this precious, lovely lady of God who was a missionary there. I went to this little house church. She wrote down a scripture. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. And I read it, and I read it. I looked it up in the Bible. I read it and read it. I could never understand. I carried it around in my wallet for years, at least two years, even up to the time I was married, maybe even after that. I carried it in my wallet. And the time to time, every now and then I'd pull it out and I'd read it. I didn't understand it. I was like, what does this really mean? How, does, how do I come to understand this? Finally, somehow, yeah, I could read the words and understand what the words say. Seek ye first, okay, go after the kingdom of God and righteousness and these things, these things, what, spiritual things, maybe the love of God, the things of the kingdom will be added unto you, or maybe prosperity will be added unto me, or maybe persecution will be added unto me. What does it mean? I mean, I could read it and comprehend it, but I didn't know, I couldn't comprehend it in my spirit. Because my spirit was still quite immature. Finally, one day, it just like, poof, I got it. And many people that I, I minister to read, you know, I ask them, are you reading your scripture? Well, I do, but I, I, I have a hard time. I can't understand it. I can't get through it. And that happens time to time. It's because you're struggling spiritually. It's like a... It's like a child, you're trying to feed food and they don't like the food that they're going to eat. I don't like that. I'm not going to eat that. That's what's happening in your spirit. You need that food, but you're resisting it. Your spirit, somehow your flesh is overcoming your spirit and, and it's keeping you from diet, you know, eating that food because you, you personally don't like it, but your spirit's craving it because you try to read it and that's what's happening. Just think of a child, you're trying to, you know, eventually... They get so hungry, they don't care. They just eat it, right? You can always tell if someone is hungry because they'll eat. They're not hungry, they're not going to eat. They're not hungry enough, as I used to say. If they were really hungry, they would eat that. So maybe they should do without the other things until they're ready to eat. Amen? So he opened their understanding, and they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written. And thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from, rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in, the, in, in his name, that's the name of Jesus, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So repent and getting your life right. Repent, remission. Let's, let's, let's reconcile this. And get it right. Let's get the checks and balances correct. All right? And, and start adding, making deposits for the kingdom of God rather than taking away and, and getting credit on your life. Each time you sin, you're getting credit and you owe. You owe. You, you're going to end up owing something, which will be your eternity. Your eternity to hell. If you're not, if you, every time you sin, it's like going in further and further in debt to one day you can't get out. But guess what? The remission. Jesus Christ will pay off your debt. He, God the Father paid off your debt of sin. 
with the blood of the lamb, with, the, with Jesus. And because he gave his son, the atonement, the complete amount of your sin, if you'll believe that that's what he did for you. If you want to come out, that's what happens. If you want to live in eternity forever and ever. But right now, if you don't believe that, you're, you're going deeper and deeper in debt, and eventually it's going to take you to the, your destruction, your demise in the eternity. Hope you understand that. That's very important. You comprehend that. Amen. And that repentance of sin and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And that's what they did. They began in Jerusalem and then they, the, the Jews got threatened by this and this doctrine and they began to seriously uh, persecute the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And he continues and says, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Upon. That means on top of you. Upon. That's the Holy Ghost. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Which wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high, from God. So here they are. Jesus has already breathed the Holy Spirit on them. Right? Back, back then. When he was with them, he breathed it because he, he did. And then he says, just wait until you're empowered from God to go and do these things I just asked you to do. Preach in Jerusalem. Amen. The problem is I've met some places I've been, I've met other missionaries. They've been to seminary and they've done this and they've done that. They checked all the organizational blocks to get credibility upon men, but they don't have any Holy Ghost. They don't. They don't have any power. They're not healing the sick. Um, I know people who go on mission trips and they minister to people and they get healed, which is great. But some of these others don't. They're not exercising the power. And you can tell if they have that power based on if people if things happen, if demons come out or if people get healed. Amen. Let's look at John twenty one. Verse 6, and he said to them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some, referring to fish. So they were fishing all night, didn't catch anything. So Jesus walked up in the morning and said, cast your nets to the other side, and you might find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. See, again, I believe this has something to do with the Holy Ghost. Here they are fishing all night, trying to bring in the harvest. But until Jesus gave them the instructions to cast it at the other side, they then had the blessing of God in order to pull in the harvest. I think I preached that last week, did I not? Let's continue. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went and drugged the net to land full of large fish, 153 and although there were so many, the net was not broken. See, Jesus said, whoever the Father has given me, I will not going to forsake them. I'm not going to cast them to the side. I'm going to cast them out. Once you're caught in the net of Jesus Christ, you're hit. You're hit. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, he died so that you could live forever in eternity, in spirit. And one day, because of your belief in him, your body will be joined with your spirit 
and you'll have a new glorified body. If you don't, then the second resurrection, which is the death, you'll be resurrected to be joined and you'll be cast into the lake of fire. It's that simple. But I prefer to go to the first resurrection if I don't live to the return of Christ. Let's look at John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Talking about his buddies, his disciples. Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Remember, we're supposed to be like sheep or lambs going off to the slaughter. And we are to be sheep or lambs going to the wolves. And we got to convert those wolves into lambs, do we not? So I don't know if Jesus is referring to the future lambs of wolves, being wolves and making them lambs, or those who are already his. I don't really know what he's really saying here. But it could be both. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, have, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend to my sheep. Go, go, go get my sheep. Tend to them. Take care of them. And, and my, my question to you is, do you tend to the sheep of God? Do you tend to the, the sheep of Jesus Christ, who is the shepherd? Do you? You know, there's, there's scripture that talks about those shepherds that are hired hands and the wolves come and they, the shepherds run away because they don't really own those sheep. They're not really theirs. Isn't that a great analogy for today's uh, way of doing things? Hired hands trying to lead sheep, but then when the wolves come to attack, you can't find anybody to help you out. Find someone to love. But it boils down to you. Find someone to hug their neck. Show compassion toward them. Pray over their situation. Minister to them. Try to encourage them in the Lord. Not in motivational speaking, but according to the scripture. And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time. Said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now the question is, do you think Peter understood what Jesus was talking about? The fact that he had to say it three times, you think Peter really understood what Jesus meant? Do you think Peter really understood what the sheep were and his position and what his tasks were? Do you share your testimony with people? Do you pray with people? I hope so, because that's what we're supposed to be doing. As the body, we are to help the body to function. Right? And we're not we're all part of the body and we all help the body to live. Not only the body that are believers, 
but we are also to go and make disciples. We are to go and make lambs. Take the wolves. Go into the the wolves as lambs. Yeah, you're going to be devoured. You may be devoured, but if you go as wise as a serpent and, and gentle as a dove, you can take those wolves and make them into lambs by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's re- let's kind of recap this real quick. It was the command of Jesus to do these things, right? Preach the gospel to all the nations to so that people believe Jesus is the Son of God. That's the first and premier thing that we must be doing. And you don't have to say preaching like up on a pulpit preaching. You just tell people, man, you need to you need to repent and get your life right. I'm not judging you, but you know, look, look at your situation. We can change that by the blood of the Lamb. Baptize them, or I like to say saturate them with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So after you lead them into repentance and believe in Jesus, Son of God, then you pray over them, minister over them, so that they receive the the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is the way I see it. Now, a lot of people say, oh, be baptized now, because the Scripture says, Believe and confess your sins and be baptized. Well, I like to think baptized with the Holy Ghost so you have power. Pow- the power to do the works of a disciple. And the next thing is to teach the commandments of Jesus. What? Teaching them all. I have commanded. What did he command? <laughs> love God with all your ability and love your neighbor like yourself. Jesus said, you can't be my disciples unless you love me more than your family. Did he not? He, I think the, the, the scripture uses the word hate, but it's not hate. It says love, me, love them less than me or love me more than them. That's what it means. And guess what? We are to cast out demons. Cast out demons. Say, do you want to be set free from that addiction? You want to get set free from your son? And command that thing to come out, the spirit or the, the sin of this and the, and the uh, iniquity of that, come out in the name of Jesus. We're also to speak in unknown tongues as a gift of one of the spirit. So the scripture says speaking in tongues is the first evidence of the Holy Ghost, of having the Holy Ghost. Well, that's right. That's what the disciples did. That's how we knew that they got it because they began to speak in this unknown tongue like Jesus had said for them to do, to speak in unknown tongues. That's the first evidence. That, that doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, mean that the only way you, you know you have the Holy Ghost is by speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is just one of the nine gifts. But when the disciples got it, it was the first proof that they had received this power from the Most High, as the Scripture said, because they were speaking in this unknown language. That's how I interpret the scriptures, and I think that's very accurate. When persecuted, you may be persecuted with venomous snakes and poisons. You will be able to demonstrate the power of God. Just as Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego was cast in the fiery furnace, just as Daniel was cast into the lake of fire, just as Noah was put on the ark, 
just as Lot came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. We'll have these victories. And that's a testament to the goodness of, of God. So expect it. But don't go and start drinking poison and show everyone you're going to die. Don't start handling poison, you know, venomous snakes, seeing if they'll bite you, holding them, seeing if they'll bite you. You're going to get bit eventually. It's, that's not very smart. I would rather be thrown into a, 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 a pit of vipers and them not biting me like, lion, like Daniel in the lion's den. He was sleep, probably sleeping with them, laying up against a big old lion, hugging him, rest, using him as a pillow probably. You know? That's the kind of thing we can expect. You know, when they tried to, you know, Stan Johnson told me this one, one time we had, we had breakfast together, and we were talking about this. And I, I kind of gave him my point of view, and he says, yeah, he says, is it possible that if a nuclear bomb were to go off and, and the, the nuclear radiation was in the water and coming out of the sky, you know, you get poison. You get radiation poison, do you not? And the Christians survive it. I tell you what, if I saw Christians surviving something like that, I would become a Christian. Shoot, I don't want to die in that. I don't want to, I, what, tell me what I need to do. Believe Jesus is the Son of God with all your heart. Confess your sins. Repent of your sins and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay, here it is. If this means that I can be like you, have the blessing and favor of God, the grace of God. That's what Stan said. And I think Owen Johnson kind of chimed in on that as well as as a radio as a bomb exploding that christians would walk out of the fire untouched unsinged well don't anything's possible with god anything's possible with god okay so lay hands on the sick and to heal them you're expected to do that you're commanded to do that how many are you doing that We are to keep fishing for the harvest of people as Jesus directed. We're to make disciples of all the nations. The only way you're going to do that is go fishing, casting that net of the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing who can get caught in it and then drag them in, drag them into Christ. Just keep fishing. Just keep fishing. Don't, don't be afraid to fish. They're going to bite one day. It's going to be a great harvest. And I love to fish. I like to fish. And I like catching a lot of fish to the point where I dread cleaning them all. Like, oh, man, there's so many fish. It's going to take me two hours to clean all these fish. Here's another thing. To love Jesus more than anything, even unto death. To where he's more important than your own comfort and your own life. That you love him so much that you realize that it doesn't matter what I go through because he, he's more important. And here's another thing. Once you believe, wait until you receive the Holy Ghost so that you have the promise of the Father and Christ that will endow you with the power before you begin sharing your testimony. And you're going to find in Acts chapter 2, after 
receiving the Holy Ghost, they began a great harvest. 3,000 at one time. 5,000 being added daily. Do we know any ministry that's leading people to Christ every day? Even I don't. I do lead people to Christ more than most people, but not every day. I would love to have that opportunity. But no. They were adding to the, to the, to the, to the church daily, according to Scripture, to the body of Christ daily. The, the body was beginning to form. And guess what? The body's not formed. It's not formed until all nations are made into disciples. We have a great work to do. The body is only partial. It's partially functioning. It can't be complete until that great harvest that we're promised in the scripture. And there's few, there's few laborers. Few. So keep practicing now. Keep practicing fishing because one day the harvest is going to be in and you won't need to practice anymore. You'll be catching them left and right. Big net full. Amen. Wow, praise God. We're just trucking along here. This is going quicker than I thought, So, or going longer than I thought. Let's look at verse 3. To whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdoms of God. So what's that scripture saying? He's basically saying that, even after his resurrection, Jesus made himself visible. And not only did he make himself visible, but he did many other miracles during the 40 days. Now, the 40 days is the time of Passover to the day of Pentecost. There's that space of time. So Jesus was the Passover lamb of God, and now Pentecost is supposed to come after that, some kind of blessing from God, Okay. So this is the 40-day period between the Passover and Pentecost. So Pentecost happened on the 40th or 41st day or something like that, 40th day. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is Jesus commanding them to do So this is Luke telling the story. that They, they were all together. He, told them, he commanded them not to go, not to leave Jerusalem, to stay there, but to wait for the promise of the Father, that promise from the Most High, from God, which he said, you have heard from me, which I've told you about before. Wait into Jerusalem until you, you get this, this promise from the God that I told you about before. You remember? I told you about this. Just wait. This is what I'm talking about. Just wait. It's coming. Trust me. Wait. It's coming. Don't leave Jerusalem because you'll miss it. And then, and then he continues writing, for John truly baptized with water, but you, yeah, we know John baptized with water, repented, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not only, not many days from now. Now, here's Jesus telling the disciples this. Yeah, yeah, we know John really did baptize with water, but there's another baptism. It's, it's this Holy Ghost baptism that comes from God. It gives you this power. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, referring to Jesus, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So, so here they are. They're thinking, okay, we're going to get this great power from God. So is this when, when we get this power, is this when, when you're going to, you know, make Jerusalem great again? See, they thought they were in the end days. This is what they were waiting for. And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let me give you this little trivial fact. In the city of Kochi, India, so here's, here's like a shape of India right here. If you're looking on the screen, it's kind of pointed at the bottom like Texas. Thomas the disciple went all the way to the very bottom of India where he was martyred. He was killed there in Kochi. I've, I've seen the place where he uh, you know, came and preached and there's some uh, historical things there about him. That was as far as the Roman trade went. It was that far. It didn't go around the other side of India, into Sri Lanka and into the, the uh, Gulf of Aden and some of those, or uh, not Aden, but into the Pacific Ocean. It didn't go over there. They stopped there. That was the furthest they had gone. That's as far as the trade route went. India had all the spices and they would take them back up, right? So Thomas went south and the others went north and east and west. So he went south. I just thought I'd share that with you. That's a pretty interesting fact. And now he, this is verse 9, now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Wow. And when they looked steadfast toward heaven, and he went up, referring to Jesus, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I believe these, this was the same men, Elijah and Moses, who came on the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't think they were angels. I think this has to do with uh, similar to the, the Mount of Transfiguration when, when Moses and Elijah came and ministered to them. They came down. Remember that cloud came down also on the Mount of Transfiguration? I think it's very similar. I don't know that for sure. That's just what I'm believing because it says two men. It doesn't say two angels. You remember when they went to the tomb, there were angels. And there were angels standing there and angels doing this. But this says men. That's why I think it was Elijah and also Moses, perhaps. We don't really know who it was. It could have been somebody else. But we also know when John, when he went up into heaven uh, in the spirit, there was someone talking to him. He says, don't worship me for I'm I'm a fellow servant. It was a man. It wasn't an angel. Okay? So it was a man. So let's see where we are here. Let me read verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, whom was taken up from you into heaven, will so come like a manner as you saw him go into heaven. So when Jesus returns, it's going to be like when he just left and went up. So I don't know if those two men will be around. Maybe the two witnesses that get resurrected. 
maybe when they get resurrected, Jesus comes down. I don't know. But we'll find out one day. Verse 12. Then they turned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And I think the reason they say Sabbath day journey on Sabbath day, I don't think they could ride their horses or donkeys or whatever. So they had to walk. So they kind of, I think they're differentiating. It took them a little. They had to walk. Verse 13. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of uh, Alphanius, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. So about all of them there. So I believe that this upper room is the same room where Jesus and his disciples did the Passover meal. That's what I believe. Because if you read the scripture, they said they went up into the room where the man that they, they, Jesus had coordinated for the room. I think it's possibly that same room. Not that saying we don't really know that for sure. But I like to think that it is. These all continued with one accord. So all these people, they continued one accord in prayer and supplication with women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So they could, you know, they waited and they didn't know what to do. So they said, why don't we just pray while we wait and we'll ask for this power. We will uh, ask the Lord's will to be done. We don't know what we're praying for, but we're just going to ask the Lord to move, to bring his power, to establish his kingdom of God on this earth. That's what we do on Thursday nights. We basically say that. Come, Lord, establish your kingdom on this earth. Your will be done. Verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples all together. The number of the names was about 120 and, and said. So there was approximately 120 people in there. Remember I said that a company, a, a company consists of about 150, give or take a little bit. But see, you had women there. You had, see, the men and there were some women. And guess what? There's probably some children and maybe some unmarried adult children that were there. So, again, I think that the number is about 150 is a good number for a company, a good size for a church and for gatherings. That's a good number. About 120, he said, and said, men and and brethren. So why did he say men and brethren? So adult men and my fellow brothers, his scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Now, they were praying, remember? And I think Peter got this knowledge from God. I think they were were praying, and he got this, this wisdom from God to do this. So he continues and says, for He was numbered with us and obtained a part of this ministry. So he's talking about Judas. Okay, here we are, and uh, we know that Judas is no longer with us, and he was numbered. He was part of of the original 12, and he was part of this ministry. Now, verse 18, now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. Now, some people say he was hanged. Maybe that's what that alludes to. But it sounds like he jumped off of something 
head first and landed on his stomach or landed and, and he busted open like a water balloon. So hitting the ground. So that looks like maybe he was hanged, but I don't ever know of anyone being hanged in their entrails busting open. So it sounds like he jumped from something, leaped from maybe the walls of the city or something, and, and he jumped head first and landed, and, and he, his, in, his in, intestines blew out. And it came to be known to all those who dwell in Jerusalem so that the field is called by their own language, Akel Dama. That is, filled of blood, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let no one take his, excuse me, and let another take his office, excuse me, let another take his office. So here's Peter quoting scripture that is going to justify an action they're about to do to reestablish the twelve apostles or 12 disciples. Therefore, these men who have accompanied us all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, being from the baptism of John to that day, when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us for his resurrection. So basically what he's saying, you know, here's some other men that have been with us since the beginning of the ministry. They've come and gone. We've seen them. We, we can count that they're believers, basically what he's saying. In verse 23, and they proposed two people, two. Joseph called uh, Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, O you, O Lord, who, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. So basically saying, okay, Lord, we picked two, but you picked the final person. We're giving it to you. So look what they do. This, I think this is kind of funny. So these two you have chosen to take part in the ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. So he was removed that he might go to his own place and they cast their lot and they cast lots. And I don't know if that means votes or if they drew straws or rolled dice. I don't know really what they were doing to distinguish the two. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles, making them 12 again. So they asked the Lord, it's in your hands, but however this outcome is, we, we blame, you know, it's on God. So they cast, the, they cast these lots. I don't know how they did it, if they reached in and or flipped a coin, or, you know, sometimes you can reach into a bag and you know, whatever color you pull out, you know, is a good or bad color, like a stone, colored stone. You can pull out various colored things like uh, chips or, or uh, various icon things, and if it's the right thing. So I'm not really sure. So here we are. The body is forming. We see that the disciples are reestablishing the order. They realize Judas is no longer with them, and they want to fill that slot. So they filled it with Matthias. All right? And they're waiting, as Jesus instructed, in Jerusalem. So they've been going to this upper room, and they pray. Now, I don't know if they pray all day or part of the day, or they just come at a certain time. I don't really know. But 
probably they, they met every day at a certain time, maybe from this time to this time. So it looks like they were meeting around maybe uh, morning time and then maybe breaking for lunch. We'll find that out in, in Chapter 2 next week as we get in there. Now, I, I failed to mention, if you want to call in, you may. We have about 26 minutes left on remaining. So now's the time to call in. I haven't been looking at any of the chatter out there. So let me take a look and say hello to some people on Facebook. Oh, man, I see a lot of people there tonight. Wow. I wasn't really uh, following that. So let me say hello to people. So Claudia and Brenda I said hello to earlier. And Nicole, nice to have you, our Canadian friends. And Chuck with a big happy face. And let's see. Doug, it's so nice to see you, brother. Rosie Williams. Wow, Rosie, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm so glad you joined us for a little bit. And uh, Rick Palmer from Arkansas, nice to see you join us. Oh, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope that we can get together and hunt sometime in the near future. And by the way, I got my ancestry going, and I think that you're on there. So I want to update some more information I've discovered. Um, Dave from Canada, good to have you. Thanks for all the comments. I'm not reading them, just looking at the names. Karen, Brian from South Carolina. Good to have you. Please tell Mr. Hayward I said hello. Glad to see you there. Cindy Bryan. Oh, you're a precious cousin. That's my cousin. And Anna, nice to have you also. I, I think you may from be from Brazil, if I remember correctly. I, I may be wrong, but uh, nice having all our international friends and out-of-state friends. Good crowd tonight. Let me jump over to Witness Project. See if there's anything going on. A lot of people there. Uh, there's another Claudia. There's the gangster. There's Greg. I, Greg, I, aren't you in Australia? And Dapika. Now, I know a Dapika in India, and I, I wonder if that's the same Dapika. I don't know that for sure. And the person, Jesus, my rock, rowdy, blue, green cats. Wow, that's interesting. Fortress of Faith, Dave, all right. And three more that, that are not mentioned that they're just showing. Yeah, good to see everyone. Haven't been, I've been going over the scripture. Glad, you're, glad everyone's watching. And all, also on the gaming site, nice having everyone there. We're just going to wait just a few more minutes before we sign off. Unless someone calls in, we do have a little bit of, if you want to call in, the number is on the screen. So you watch the video at 602 753 one nine seven seven. If you press one, we'll know that you want to speak to us, and we'd love for you to speak to us. And uh, if you want to, if not, that's okay. We'll be wrapping it up soon. Amen. Well, I'm going to just kind of take a break and let uh, everyone kind of figure out if they're going to call in or not. And then uh, Chuck, I'll just open up the mic. If you got anything to add or say, then we'll let Deanna, if she wants to chime in, she can do so. Okay, well, I thought I'd share something of interest that uh, Deanna posted in uh, Witness Project's chat room having to do with the casting of the lots when they chose Matthias to take the place of uh, Judas. And she Mm -hmm. says, the casting lots was completed by throwing sticks or stones with markings or symbols into a closed-off space 
to determine the will of God. It was used by Jews throughout the Old Testament and even Jesus Christ's disciples in the New Testament until Pentecost. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so I knew it was a kind of a gamble, you know, like a flip of a coin. Well, let's just do this, and however it lands, at the, that's how we select. It's pretty interesting that they would do that. You know, I think now they, they vote. They make a vote, and it's interesting uh-huh. that the voting is very political. So you try to get favor. So this is this is why lots I think have a lot more wisdom. So when you vote, you 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 um, what's the word? You politic. You try to get favor with people so they vote for you, rather than just mm-hmm. casting a lot and letting chance. So you have a, a, a selection there and let let chance, if you will, or in this case, they asked the Lord that you would pick the right one. We're going to do this by, by this. And however this turns out, this will determine who you pick. And uh, so I find that very interesting that today's uh, body of Christ refers, uses a, the practice of voting in or selecting. Like they'll select a pastor will pick maybe uh, someone that they feel like will, will comply to things that they're trying to, to do. And and uh, selected or voted in, highly recommended by the pastor. We need to vote this way. This is what the pastor recommends. Okay, so uh-huh. I, I think I think that creates a lot of maybe I don't know. It could create a lot of peace and it create a lot of problems if you got a lot of yes men. But you know, it's still not chance. Right? Lord, this is in your hands. So it'd be interesting if churches would start casting lots and how that how things would turn out. That's what the disciples did. Maybe we should do the same thing. Amen. All right. Well, yeah, I I think the problem with it is is if you uh, have a something you know a uh, thought in your mind of you think that the lot should come out a certain way. I think that would affect it. I think that when they did cast the lots, they had no idea who the Lord was going to pick. But I think it could be influenced if, uh, say, you were casting lots and you were hoping for one person over the other to to be selected. And I'm just wondering about that, if that would uh, would affect it. I don't know. I, I don't know. Either. I mean, if that's the case, then the gamblers would be doing a lot better than the casinos. So... <laughs> Throwing dice and the, and the you kind of wonder, you know, do people look at this and think, well, you know, it should be okay for Christians to gamble because look at they were gambling here when you know, as far as who the uh, the next disciple would be. I don't know. Mm. People get some you know funny notions because of things that took place in the Bible. Yeah, I don't know if that I wouldn't consider that gambling because they have nothing at risk. So they're yeah, not saying, right. they're saying uh, if I lose, you get this, and if I win, I get that. That's not what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what you do when you gamble. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this amount, this thing of value up here, and you're, you're going to equally you know, put something of value, and whoever wins gets it, you know, whatever that, that gamble is. So it's risk. But there's no risk here. It's just however it turns out, it turns out. Yeah. Like, um, I think that's the difference, but no, I don't think that justifies any gambling. But but I, I find it very interesting that uh, they, they did that. I just I find that kind of funny. 
But anyway. Yeah. Hey. I yes, came upon uh yeah, I came upon um a site that has some more information on this and uh I was reading it. This site's of the instances where we're we're casting lots or the practice is used in scripture. And so, um, but I, instead of sharing all these scriptures, um, there's an entire list there. I will, uh, I'll just add to what we were talking about to say that um, these, these rocks or sticks or whatever they were with the symbols on them, they'd be, they'd be cast into a, you know, place, almost like you would a box or something, right? And then how they landed would be interpreted. So that makes it pretty interesting. They would be interpreted. Um, Almost sounds to me like a practice of casting runes or something. But anyway, there are a lot of uh, biblical references to it. And here's some of them, um, of some of the uh, circumstances. One would be the selection of a scapegoat. Mm. Another one, and that's from Leviticus sixteen eight through 10. And another would be the allocation of the tribal inheritance in the promised land. That's a pretty important thing uh, for interpretation. But Numbers 26, 55, 56, and uh, uh, Joshua 14, 2, and Judges 1, 3, etc., and then another instance is the determination of the families who had to relocate to give a proper distribution of the populace or of those warriors who had to go to war where only a percentage were required. That's Judges 29 and then Nehemiah 11.1. 1. Another one was uh, for the order of the priests and their duties from mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 24, 5 through 19, and Nehemiah 10, 34. And then um, another one is the determination of an offender. Wow, these have some weighty, you know, outcomes. That's from Joshua 7, 14 through 18, and Proverbs 18, 18. But there's a lot of scriptures here. There is... Yeah. Uh, there is in Psalm twenty two eighteen. There's the prophecy of Jesus that they would divide uh, his garments among them, and for mm-hmm. my clothing they cast lots. Wow. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like I don't know if it's like this, but I'm thinking like uh, rolling dice. You know, you have uh, you know value. You know, you get bigger numbers, smaller numbers, and then you know it's like when you shoot craps, there's numbers that disqualify you. You lose. And um, so was it three, one in the die, the dice that have the number two and one, or is it double one? Oh, here's a, yeah, here's an interesting scripture from Proverbs sixteen thirty three. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Okay. And. I'm I'm thinking, you know, they chose Matthias because they knew um that they knew the scripture that um about the um uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of what the word is, about the um bishop rank or whatever. The 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 title, you know, the 
the discipleship, the um, the station that one would uh, would not carry out his bishopship. Okay, and so they went ahead and did that. But to me, uh, I'm thinking God did. I mean, He did fulfill the scripture in Proverbs 16:33. It wasn't what they thought it would be, and He mm-hmm. chose Paul um, and transforming him from, uh, you know, an antichrist type religious Jew. Uh, to the Apostle Paul. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I see we have a caller um, that just called in. I don't know if they want, if you want, caller, if you want to speak in the next 15 minutes, press one so we know. If not, if if you're just listening, that's fine. So um, we'll wait for them to determine if they're going to call in. We'll take that call in just a moment. Now they just hung up. No, they hit the uh, one, so caller, you're on with the colonel. No, they hit the uh, one, so caller, you're on with the colonel. No, they hit the one, so caller, you're on with the colonel. No, they hit the one, so caller, you're on with the colonel. You got a receipt going on. What is that? Put him back. They have to turn off. the they website, or yeah, they have to turn off their right. their right. sound. We're getting a loop there. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to leave them offline because we're just getting a loop, and I don't hear anybody talking. So we'll just leave okay. it like that because they're not answering the phone. They're not answering. Okay. Very good. Well, they called in on Skype, as far as I can tell. So. Um... And maybe they're getting yeah. feedback from their computer. Let's get, try it one more time and see what happens. I hate to, they called in. Let's try it one more time. Hello? Hello you're on the panel. Go ahead. Hi. How are you? Fine. Uh, What's this? your name and where are you calling from? This is David Nicole. Ah, from Canada, our Canadian friend. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. We, we've been listening to the program, and we can see yeah. you on our TV. You got me on your web TV. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, you got anything to add tonight? Any prayer or anything like that? Sure. You, you can pray for my husband and myself. Okay. Anything yeah. specific? Or particular. Also, we have a there's a, a a kind of a homeless lady that's living with us that's having some some real difficulties. I don't know whether whether it's a drug addiction or um, she's just struggling. She she got saved uh, like about a month ago, and 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 it's funny you were talking about baptism earlier today, and uh, she got baptized um, in water. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were really. Um, you know, things, she was saying how good things were going for her and, and how she was really, you know, studying the word, reading the Bible, praying, coming to prayer with us. And then um, over the last couple of days, um, she's sort of like really backslidden into a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of problems. 
So we, we need prayer for, for this whole, our whole household, basically, the whole, the whole house. We're under, we're under a great, great spiritual attack here. Yeah. Okay. So what's the person's name? Daphne. Daphne. Okay. Got it. I tell you what, everyone that's listening and watching, you could just agree and we'll come together in agreement, touch and agree on this over uh, the situation. And really what the heart is, they, they desire righteousness. They, they, they desire to, you know, more of God and, and they want to be delivered from their iniquities. Now iniquities is not sin. It's the things that, that inside it will maybe lead them to sin. So here we go. Father, we just thank you. We love you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the blood that makes a way for us to approach you. And Lord, we just ask your hand to begin to fall upon the family of Dave and Nicole and their guest Daphne, Lord, that you would touch them. And Lord, that you would visit them now, Lord, that you would come upon them and you would rest upon them and give them the peace and assurance of your love. And Lord, that the peace that's, that's just unspeakable, that the, the calmness in their, in their minds, Lord, that you would take out all the, the thoughts of sin and even the, the own lust of their own flesh, whether it's whatever it is, Lord, that you would uh, give them the strength to, to overcome. And that's what you tell us, that you don't give us any more than what we can handle. But Lord, that you would give them a glory to glory, a victory to victory. And Lord, that you would show them how to put on the full armor of God, to stand the fiery darts of temptation and, and the devil so that they may fight another day that they would just stand strong in the firmness of the faith of Jesus Christ, that they would believe in him, that he would take him, take them from one place to the next. And Lord, every attack that's come upon them, Lord, we ask that you would begin to break those things, Lord, that you would fight our fights. You tell us that you fight our battles. You fight our battles for us, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you. We give you praise and, and the supplication that going up of this prayer, Lord. We thank you for fighting on behalf of Dave and Nicole and Daphne, Lord, that you would free them and, and deliver them from this oppressive attack, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you. In the name of Jesus, every demonic assignment that's come against this, this, this family, this home, you're broken in the name of Jesus. You're broken. We now put it under the blood. Every curse of attack that's come against them, you're broken. Everything that's coming to, to, to cause them to walk in darkness, you're broken. All darkness, flee in the name of Jesus, for the, the, the darkness cannot comprehend the light. So therefore, it leaves because it's confused. It doesn't know what to do. Leave now in the name of Jesus and be made strong, be made well in your soul. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, be made well in your thoughts, in your consciousness. Be made well in the name of Jesus. Heart be healed in the name of Jesus. All, all brokenness, all sadness and shame, be broken in the name of Jesus. You go now in the name of Jesus, for there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's no thing to be, to be worried about. All that's gone away. He's forgotten it from as far as the east is from the west, and his love is that great too. There's no measure that can measure the greatness of love, and nothing of the love of God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, because he loves you so much. And Lord, let them come into the comprehension of the greatness of your love, and your awe, Lord, that they would have the fear of God upon them, Lord, the fear of God so they could stand up and walk holy and righteous 
before you, Lord. Lord, that that they would be found worthy to escape and endure the the things that endure the things of the end, and Lord, and, and that you, they would be found worthy to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just thank you. I'm going to speak to Daphne real quick. I don't, she doesn't have to get on the phone, but I'm going to just begin to speak over her. Daphne, I, I see a restoration happening in your life where you're going to be restored back to people you love. And I don't understand why you're running and, and why you're fleeing, but the Lord wants you to know that he's going to restore that and you're going to be returning. But the Lord has to work on the other people too. So he's working on you, but he's got to do a work on them. And once that work is complete, he's going to be restoring and bringing things together. It's going to be healing. And the love that you remember, the love that you desire will be reestablished like, like your heart desire is. It's really your heart desire, but there was some love there, and he's going to reestablish that. Well, there's going to be changes that are going to come, and you're going to be questioning, like, what is going on? I don't understand why this is happening. The Lord wants you to know that don't worry about it. He's got it. He said, don't put, don't, don't trust yourself is what he's saying, but to trust him in everything. That even though he's sending you out and sending you in a direction, just go. Just go. And don't worry about it because it's, going to, it's not going to be comfortable. It's, not, it's going to be awkward. And the Lord wants you to know that that's how he's going to build his, his trust in you. And you're going to be strengthened by it. You're going to be renewed by it. As you walk and grow in his faith, you'll be able to trust him. And at the same time, whatever that is, I don't know, a family situation, a mother, perhaps, uh, whatever that is, I see, I see you guys coming together and talking in the kitchen, sitting down and talking and talking and crying and beginning to love one another and holding hands or whatever that is. It's, it's going to be reestablished. It's going to be healed. And, and, and I also see that, there's been acquisition, acquisitions made against you. People are saying these things about you, and and that's gonna that's eventually gonna be like uh, it won't be important anymore. People won't care, or or they're just gonna forget about it. Um, there's some things being spoken. Uh, they're lies. They're designed to hurt you. They're designed to uh, hurt you know make you cry and to you know be broken. But the Lord says that he's he's gonna he's gonna take that away. And it won't, won't be of any significance, and people will be able to see the truth. Okay? That's what the Lord says for you. I don't know if you want to speak on that or not, because I hope that ministers to you. That's uh, right, right on. Daphne's not here. She actually uh, left yesterday. Mm-hmm. He, um, he had done some things. Uh, I don't want. She stole some money and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, she stole some money and she you stole had to confront some, her about some it. things. So, and so you're you're right on the money when you're saying about there was crying and there was accusations and false accusations and and um, there was time spent in the kitchen. Um, Nicole and her spent many hours going over Bible scripture and and talking about salvation and stuff. So you're you're right on the on on target when you're saying um, you know there, there was crying and accusations and they, they will. You know, when when she comes back and talks to us, um, 
I know that we're, we're, there's going to be an awful lot of forgiveness that's going to have to happen between, uh, you know, she's going to have to forgive herself. And um, I, I've already decided to forgive her. Um, you know, I understand that she's, she's um, you know, she's got these addictions. And uh, I, I know that this is an attack coming from, from, from Satan because things were going so good. She was getting business with her children. Um, she got saved. She was, um, you know, she was spending time away from all the, 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 the evil things. And, um, you know, and, and, but the allure is, is still very strong. You know, again, earlier in your message, you were talking about, uh, you know, the more time you spend with the Lord, the less time you're, you're, you want to spend with these other, these other people. And your, your spiritual power um, is, is increased. So we were trying to encourage her to, you know, go to church with us. Every day we, would, we go to church to do stuff at church. And we were encouraging her to come along with us. And um, so anyway, we just know this is a temporary setback and we're going to overcome it with, with the power of Jesus. Yep. And um, we thank you so much for praying for us. Yeah. And if you want, you can go to the website later and uh, once the blog talk radio is finished and you can download and, and even edit that piece and send it to her if you want. I know it's at the end. So it's the last 10 minutes of the, of the stream. But thank you, Dave and Nicole, for calling in from Canada. Thank you so much. Hey, Pastor and, Colonel. Uh, yeah. Can I share something before you let them go? Um, okay. As soon as you began to minister. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I'll be brief. As soon as you began to minister to them, I started getting in my spirit about closing the doors, anointing the doors with oil, consecrating the territory, and basically taking out the trash you know, and shutting mm-hmm. out the enemy of all these oppressions. And so I just wanted to say that because I believe that the Lord will do, you know, he will uh, release his angels uh, um, to go and make war, you know, with the forces that are bringing this oppression and basically clear the air. But they're entitled, you know, in their home to have open heavens and to be able to shut out those demonic forces Maybe that will bring the peace that, you know, gives this woman, Daphne, a, an opportunity to, um, you know, to come back or something like that, be ministered to. So I'm thinking. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And by the way, everyone, don't forget that Thursday nights we do pray. Uh, Thursday night at 830 p.m. Central Time. And we'd love for you to come in and help us pray. I don't want to be praying the entire time. I can, but I'd prefer to share the prayer time because what the Lord has put on you is, is, is important to the things of the Spirit. So thank you so much. God bless you, and have a wonderful week. Chuck, take us out of here. Thank you for listening to The Curdle. Coming to you live from the Prophet's Quarter Studio. With God, all things are possible. But we're strong in faith, giving glory to God. And what I pray for myself, I pray for our listeners as they hear. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A Moment with the Colonel is a ministry of Seedtime Harvest Ministries. You can visit their website at seedtimeharvest.net for more information. I hope you'll listen tonight.
yet he's faithful. He's faithful. And ours is a work of faith. And I think I'll speak in a moment on living by faith. Again, that's seedtimeharvest.net. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Tranquility Base here. The angle has landed.